welcome to The Reality Revolution. I'm your host, Brian Scott. Today, I wanted to dedicate an episode to talk about work. We talk a lot on the channel about prosperity, finding wealth, finding that millionaire mindset, and the way we create our reality. But a lot of what we do in our life is about work, working at our job, and I wanted to talk about this on a metaphysical level. When Jesus says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, he implies that our bondage in life is caused by our acceptance of erroneous beliefs. A Greek philosopher, Zeno, says, the most important part of learning is to unlearn our errors. In the study of spiritual economics, nothing is more basic or more rife with mistaken beliefs than our attitudes towards work. So let me ask you a question. Why do you work? You may smile at the question, for it seems perfectly obvious that everyone works to make a living, to make money. However, if this is the only reason you can come up with, then it is one of the errors that needs to be unlearned. It is an attitude that may well be frustrating your creative flow. What are you getting out of your work? If you respond in terms of salary figures, fringe benefits, and executive perks, then you are underpaid. Not that your employer is inadequately compensating you. That is something else. What I'm referring to is that by the evidence of your narrowness of vision, you are shortchanging yourself. Your prosperity will always be a reflection of your consciousness, the degree to which your thoughts are centered in the divine flow. You spend most of your life engaged in some kind of gainful employment, thus If your attitudes about work in general and your job in particular are not right, then truly you are working against yourself. You may seek diligently to demonstrate prosperity, but unless you unlearn your error thoughts about work, you will forever be out of sync with the creative flow of the universe. A German educator, Friedrich Frobel, had a refreshingly positive sense of the cosmic process at work within the individual. How good it would be if his ideal of work could be stressed in our modern-day educational system. The delusive idea that men merely toil and work for the sake of preserving their bodies and procuring for themselves bread, houses, and clothes is degrading and not to be encouraged. The true origin of man's activity and creativeness lies in his increasing impulse to embody outside of himself the divine and spiritual element within him. It is a tremendous realization What if our young people could be graduated into their work life with a preconditioning of this awareness? Work is and should be so considered by every worker, a giving process. Jesus said, Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. Matthew 6.3 In other words, don't get trapped in the error of equating what you earn with the work you do. How easy and yet how mistaken it is to be influenced by the another day, another dollar syndrome. I've been there. I know. That's why I'm talking about it with you. I know. And if that sounds like something you've said, how was your day today? Another day, another dollar. Let your work, whatever it may involve, be an outworking of the creative flow engaged in through the sheer joy of fulfilling your divine nature. You will prosper, and you should do so, but it will not be because you have made money in your job. The work in the job is the means by which you build a consciousness of giving, which in turn gives rise to an outworking or receiving flow. 
Your work is a place where you can be of service to others in a variety of ways. It is a subtle distinction, but an extremely important one. If the left hand receiving your pay knows what the right hand does, the work of your job, then there is no real giving, only a bartering. This is selling your soul for a mess of pottage. All the elements needed to fulfill the prosperity law for you are missing. A distinguished professor at Harvard University once said, The university pays me for doing what I would gladly do for nothing, if I could afford it. Most persons might laugh at this naivete. However, what he is saying is that his work is not just a place to tediously make a living, but an opportunity to joyously live his making. In other words, he is looking at his teaching work in terms of the privilege it gives him to grow as a person. And growth is what life is all about. Not just paychecks and fringe benefits, but growth. It is probably true that the best living is made by those workers whose chief motivation is to give themselves away. I've worked in many jobs. Some of them have been terrible. Some have been great. But in those jobs where I felt like I was being of service and helping others, that's when it changed for me. It is sad but true that this professor I mentioned is unusual for one of the greatest problems in our world today is the Great Depression of worker attitudes. There's been a steady erosion of the old-fashioned work ethic leading to a loss of the sense of work being done in the context of the whole person. Thus, we can see everywhere great masses of people are going off each day to work that is drudgery, an empty and meaningless process of putting in time. Little is given beside what is required and little is received besides a contracted for salary. Right now, a lot of people are quitting their jobs. There's been a lot of shifting after the quarantines where people stayed at home and they wanted to stay at home and they realized, you know what, I don't want to do that job anymore. There's been a shift in the way that people think about work. There may be three reasons for this depression of work attitudes. One, the growing trend towards specialization through computerization and automated production where few people do a whole job they can feel good about. Rapidly dwindling are the opportunities to work in places where you can commence with the basic materials and create something in which you can stand back and say, look what I did. And secondly, the changing values of society where the good job has come to mean the high salary. This has led to job hopping for work that will pay more money. People will often leave jobs they love to take a better paying job they really hate. And third, the materialistic and gadget conscious culture which deems as necessities more and more expensive things, which requires more and more money in the job as the place to earn it. This has led to what is called moonlighting, where people take multiple jobs, where the worker may hold down two, three jobs, in which they work all hours in order to keep up a certain standard of living. Work that is dealt with outside the whole person is a painful process engaged in by the sweat of the brow. There is a tendency to deal with our work life almost as if it were a life sentence from which we may ultimately retire as time off for good behavior. Truly, this confusion of work attitudes gives rise to all kinds of breakdowns, employment, financial, and even physical. Personnel people often refer to individuals as entering the labor market as if they sell themselves and their services in exchange for the wherewithal to even exist. And some people may describe a job they have taken just to get by by saying, well, it's a living. 
I've said it. In this consciousness, it is anything but a living. It might be more accurate to characterize it as a drab existence, and in the process of that kind of existence, those people may not only have subtle feelings of frustration and resentment, but as effectively as if they had put a rubber band around a finger, they are cutting off the creative flow. There's simply no way in which people can change their lives from indigence to affluence until they alter some of their underlying thoughts, feelings towards work. A sad spectacle that is seen all too frequently is when workers work for a paycheck for which they have done as little as they can get by with. They are creating all kinds of hidden frustrations for which they will have to pay the price because there is a spiritual law involved. They may think they can get away with a slipshod work, budging on their timesheet, calling in sick to get a day off, and they may well get away with it, but they can never get away from it. The motivations that directed them to do these things is from a level of consciousness. Ultimately, they have to pay the piper, for it is inexorable law. Life is a growth process, and we grow through giving. Thus, no matter what the circumstance, if we do less than our very best, in what we may be doing, no matter what the recognition or reward, we are storing up what many call bad karma. We may wonder, what is wrong in my life? Why can I not demonstrate prosperity? Consciousness! Whosoever hath to him shall be given, whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Matthew thirteen twelve. It is a fundamental law. There is no way that prosperity can be demonstrated outside the law of consciousness. You may protest, but I do all that I am paid for. However, work should be an experience of growth. If you are not growing in the process of doing your work, then something must be wrong. Khalil Gibran lays it right on the line. If you cannot work with love, but only with distaste, then you should quit your job and go sit at the temple and beg alms from those who work with joy. A hard lesson, but an important insight into consciousness. An effective commercial for one of the airlines says, we have to earn our wings every day, yes, and you have to earn the level of consciousness by which you are sustained and prospered every day. You may say, I've been on the job for years, and I know the work so well that I could do it with my eyes closed. And you probably can. What is happening to you as a person? You must earn your wings, not to please your employer but for your spiritual well-being what you do in your work every day may not affect your salary but it vitally affects your focus on consciousness that regulates the flow of affluence into your life you might seriously consider making it a commitment every day as you commence your work affirm for yourself i'm going to earn my wings today there's a common tendency to do a job skillfully and just settle into a rut typing the job and limiting yourself. One man was protesting to his employer that a person of far less experience had been promoted over him. Of course, we hear that all the time. He said, why have I had 25 years experience on this job? The wise employer replied, that's not quite correct. You've had one year's experience 25 times over. He was doing the work, but he wasn't earning his wings. He wasn't growing. A corporation prospers by consciousness too the collective consciousness of its workforce. It's essentially a small form of social memory complex or a pendulum. We forget this when we deal with work schedules and computers and automated processes. Thus, if you 
as just one worker or lacking in the alive, alert, awake, joyous, and enthusiastic consciousness by which you do your job, certainly you are frustrating yourself and you are not growing as a person. But what you should never forget is that you are not giving in that special way which adds to the growth of the company. Thus, he who has is given more, even if it means promoting another worker over you. Consciousness works inexorably. You may say, but my job is not imaginative. There's no future in it. There is no job with a future in it. The future is in the one who does the job. When you do your work imaginatively, the job will become more meaningful and interesting and you will become more effective in it. You can change your job, any job, if you change your attitudes about it. You may want to look elsewhere to find a better job, but that can be an escape. It is the eternal hope of finding the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Of course, there could be a better job for you somewhere else. The grass is always greener, but the starting place in making the change is right where you are now. Agree with thine adversary, Matthew 5.25, means settle with your adverse feelings. When you discipline yourself to earn your wings every day, one of the two things will happen. One, your consciousness will bring about a change in the job, making it right for you and for the company. Or two, another job will open up for you where a transfer will be affected in a way that is beneficial to all concerned. Refreshing is the wonderful words of Ralph Waldo Emerson. No matter what your work, let it be your own. No matter what your occupation, let what you are doing be organic. Let it be in your bones. In this way, you will open the door by which the affluence of heaven and earth shall stream into you. It is a beautiful insight dealing with prosperity as a divine flow from within. When you work in the right consciousness, when your work becomes organically a part of your whole self, And when you do your work out of that commitment, no matter what other people do, no matter what the compensation may be, doing it for the health of your own soul, then you open the door by which the affluence of the universe flows forth into your life. It is a beautiful realization. But how quickly you forget going to the office, reading the morning paper over your cup of coffee, and then plunging into a meaningless job which offers little more than various levels of boredom through the day. And if this is the attitude, then it follows as night follows day, that there will be a problem of financial stringency in your life. It will do little good to run frantically to a truth teacher asking for prosperity prayers, or to run to a meditation and do affirmations. God can do no more for you than God can do through you. As the Quakers say, When you pray, move your feet. In this case, move your hands. Begin to do what you do in the awareness that you are working with God for the releasing of your own inner splendor, no matter how irrelevant or ridiculous it is. If it's just cutting grass, that's fine, whatever it is. And when you earn your wings in consciousness, the affluence of heaven and earth will stream into you. In his classic work, the prophet Khalil Gibran says, when you work, you fulfill a part of earth's furthest dream assigned to you when the dream was born and in keeping yourself with labor you are in truth loving life and to love life through labor is to be intimate with life's inmost secret life's inmost secret is the divine pattern in you which you can only really know when you're giving yourself in service 
You can work for money and prestige and climb to the pinnacle of success and still not know yourself, thus seeking other avenues of escape such as alcohol and various kinds of addiction. All this is because your work does not satisfy you, and the reason it doesn't satisfy you is that you are not satisfied with or fulfilled in yourself. However, when you are intimate with life's secret, your work becomes your calling. The word vocation comes from the Latin meaning I call. Begin to think of your work as a calling. The creative process is calling, singing its song in you and as you. However, it is not your song, but the will of him who has sent you. So the work becomes easy and fulfilling, and you become prosperous and successful in it. There's no pressure, for the affluence of heaven and earth streams into you. It is important to understand that it is possible for every person to be successful at work. Albert Hubbard puts it emphatically, success is the most natural thing in the world. The person who does not succeed has placed himself in opposition to the laws of the universe. In other words, the only one who can keep you from succeeding is you by blocking your own creative flow. You're not a helpless creature adrift on the seas of life trying desperately to make something of yourself against impossible odds. The creative intention is vitally involved in you. Thus, your desire to get ahead, your urge to succeed, is your intuitive awareness of something within you that wants to succeed through you. There is another side of this relentless drive for success. We can call it the success syndrome. It is a factor that is at once the key to success and the reason for much failure. The success urge is basic in the American dream. Here, anyone can be on top of the heap, so most people want to be, or feel guilty because they think they should want to be. People holding the same job assignment for years may be asked, are you still on that job? The implication is, why haven't you progressed? Actually, they're happy and fulfilled in what to them is perfectly stimulating work. Progression is not measured alone by the title on the office door. More important is what people have done with themselves. When viewed through the success syndrome, people should be dissatisfied with their work. Many people are influenced by this pressure, thus are unable to put their full effort into their work, feeling that they should be climbing, prospering, succeeding. Indeed, of earning their wings every day, they yearn for bigger airplanes. It is a drive that is basic to humankind, but unfortunately, instead of seeing it as a cosmic urge to be more, it is normally interpreted as the desire to have more. Under the success syndrome, we are conditioned to feel that we must always be getting ahead and there can be no rest until we reach the top. Because the pyramid narrows on the way upward, there simply is not room for everyone in the highest echelons of business. Thus, most persons harbor a secret sense of failure. They may have fine jobs with ample incomes and live in lovely homes and yet even an assistant manager or vice president hasn't reached the top post. Thus, there may be an inner feeling of frustration. It is interesting to note how we are conditioned to this feeling in our formative years. Children in school are under tremendous pressure from their parents to get good grades. It is made clear that getting an A or B is more important than learning itself. A C grade supposed to be satisfactory is considered, in effect, a failure, a cause of shame. So children who may need to gain more from education than right answers and whose curiosity may lead them to ask uncomfortable questions are marked down in grades. 
They just don't fit into a system that is geared toward the success syndrome. We tend thus to stigmatize them with the self-image of failure that will remain with them through all their lives. People who have been conditioned under the success syndrome tend to consider success always in terms of grades, the salaries, the nameplate on the office door, the titles. Getting there is all that counts. A common symptom of this conditioning is the wandering eye, where people are forever looking at better jobs while purportedly engaged in their own. They jump from job to job in their attempt to achieve the top. However, even if they arrive at the high levels of business, they may seem so overemphasized the goal of getting there that their inner growth, the organic flow, may not have been cultivated. In other words, they succeed in getting there, but they are not really convinced of their right to be there. And when we set such a high premium upon getting there and on the high standard of living that defines the field in which there exists, little wonder so many persons become almost paranoid in the desire to protect it. The standard of living becomes more important than any standard for living, and the end of reaching the top and staying there may justify any means indeed, at the expense of the ethical, the moral, or even the legal. In recent years, this drive for the success of getting there has given rise to courses in success motivation and self-image psychology and many others, offering surefire techniques for achieving the top. All of them contain some helpful insights. I have gone over many of them on the podcast, but when dealt with in that narrow focus of getting there at any cost, they may be dangerously self-deluding. Michael Corda in his book Success says that a high level of Machiavellian behavior is a necessary ingredient for success. In other words, you must be devious if you want to succeed. Robert Ringer gives much the same message in his best-selling book, Looking Out for Number One and Winning Through Intimidation. Books of this type have found an eager market among people who are lost in the world of materialism and are choosing service to self, mercilessly driven by the success syndrome. Success is not getting there. It is earning the right in consciousness to be there. Two persons may arrive at successful positions at the top of their field. One has clawed his or her way up and continues to fearfully hold on for dear life because within, he or she is not sure of belonging there. The other is there because he or she has earned his or her wings every day. By appearances, you cannot really know the difference. Perhaps we need a new model of success where the good life refers more to values than to valuables. We might do well to reconsider the kind of idealism expressed on a tombstone in Boston Commons, here lies the body of Andrew Murray, who cobbled shoes to the glory of God for 40 years. This is not to advocate a retreat from the kind of drive that has set America apart as a nation of achievers and strivers for affluence. It is simply to suggest that we need to consider recapturing the pioneering emphasis on the essential worth of the person. Have we really made a success of our lives unless we have expanded the awareness of ourselves in the process? Is success simply a corporate grade? Or should we consider it on the basis of growth that is taking place within us? It may be an acceptable standard for the marketplace, but if you are serious about prospering through spirit and consciousness, then it should be an acceptable standard for you. Of course, You can succeed in your work. You can reach the top and become the best without limits. All things are possible. Just be certain that it comes out of the expense of your inner growth and it is not at the expense. Only you can know. 
but very definitely you know. Please remember, consciousness is the key. Make a new commitment to think of your work not as a place to make a living, but as an opportunity to make a life, to be of service. Don't think it's insignificant. If you're just if you're just cleaning dishes, that's fine. You're still being of service. It's an opportunity. Be excited. It's a form of prayer. All work is a form of prayer, no matter how insignificant or unimportant you think it is. Think of yourself as a channel through which creative activities flow, and there is no limit. Your mind is one with the same mind that is in the genius, the successful and the affluent. Wonderful ideas and boundless energies flow forth easily through you, making you indispensable and appreciated in your work. You are free from tension or stress, for you know that you are an inlet and may become an outlet to all there is in God. You are not alone. The whole universe is on your side, guiding your hands and directing your footsteps in the way you go. A helpful affirmation is, I am God's living enterprise and God cannot fail. And say it again, I am God's living enterprise and God cannot fail. There can be no failure in God. Any appearance of failure is in consciousness, a frustration of the creative potential. No matter what your job or your chosen career, your true business is the express business, the business of releasing your imprisoned splendor. Infinite mind will always regulate your affairs so that you have an adequate job in which to sing your song or express your potential. If the job becomes inadequate, if you keep yourself in tune with the creative flow, either the job will change or you will be moved to another job. Nothing can impede the flow of affluence and success to one who keeps oneself in tune. Remember, I am God's living enterprise and God cannot fail. My work is God's work. Emphasize that within you. Now, I have personally found that I enjoy working for myself. I enjoy the freedom to do what I want when I want. And as we have discussed, prosperity is the freedom to do what you want when you want. I'm not saying that having a job is a terrible thing. Because I have a job. I have a job, but I'm self-employed. I Still, I'm considering it a job, but I have more freedom in choosing what I want to do. And then I'm more flexible in changing what I do on a regular basis. And you can be self-employed. It's not hard. You can do it. I promise you. It's not as hard as you think it is. You don't require a large amount of money. There are millions of ways that you can start a business. It can be small. There are a lot of different avenues. But even if you're in a job, don't think of that as your only job. Continue to be open to opportunities that come your way. There are so many wonderful things where you can make passive income and do different things if you're of service. So if you're in that job, continue to think on an expansive level of your own prosperity and other opportunities will come to you. Multiple sources of income are one of the keys to your freedom. And that is why I highly suggest considering yourself self-employed, even if you are in a job right now. Somebody asks you, I'm self-employed. Yeah, I have this job over here, but I'm self-employed. And and as you continue to confirm this, then you will be open to other opportunities and things that come to you. But if you say, I am this job, this job is me, and that's what I do, 
then you are limiting the opportunities that are available to you. Open your consciousness to what is possible. Allow it to find the things that you need in prosperity. Find the freedom that you want. Your whole life is your work. And your work is not about the money. So I hope this helps you to deal with the idea of having to work. Because I've been in that experience where you wake up, gotta go to work. And boy, I dread waking up. And I dread driving to work. And I've had long commutes where it was horrible. Driving from Orange County to LA. Hours at a time just to get to job. And hours home, right? I know there are people out here that are listening to my podcast because they have a long commute. And they are listening to me right now on a long commute from or to work. And I feel you. While you're in your job, treat it more than a job. Learn to be of service. Change the way you look at it. Other opportunities will come to you. But remember, that is not who you are. You are self-employed. You can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com. Check out my art at newearth.art. I don't know when you're listening to this, but we will be having a wonderful new third reality con, which will be dedicated to the large sums of money mindset. So if you can, check out the links that will be available soon and you can participate this so I can help you to achieve that large sums of money mindset that you deserve. So thank you so much. I'm sending all the love and joy to you no matter what situation that you're in. I see prosperity in you and all around you. You are prosperous. You are wonderful. And welcome to the Reality Revolution.